I think there's one way to see it is it's just as as a constant reminder of the grounding of what of 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 our faith. Like our relationship with the Lord is grounded on the grace that he's shown us and the peace that he's like and the peace that he's secured through the cross, right? Like so it's a constant reminder of the good news of the gospel. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible is about him. In each episode, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of Scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everybody to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are beginning our walk through the letters of First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. Seth, how you feeling? I'm feeling really great. I'm really excited to go through a shorter book of the Bible. Oh, yeah. Two letters, really. Yes. Compared to the 65 chapter history of Israel's hundreds of years. We of did kings. in chronicles. <laughs> we did in chronicles. Yeah, yes. That was that was a beast. And Thessalonians is kind of a fun book. Yeah. Um, it's it's really past, it's probably Paul's first letter that mm. he wrote. It's very warm and affectionate towards the people that he's writing to. And it kind of gets a little spicy with the man of lawlessness, Ooh. Jesus coming back, descending from the clouds. Uh, mm. We've got some potential end times nonsense happening. All so right. I am, well, I'm excited. I mean, it's a good mix of everything. Yeah. So you said one thing that has become a pet peeve of mine. Okay. Uh, that it's Paul's first letter that he ever wrote. Okay. And I'm always like, he probably wrote other letters. That's true. All the time. That's true. It's his first letter that he wrote that it's is been recorded. Is in our in our Bibles. That's right. The first canonical book. That's right. That's anyway, right. Yeah. I was like, people always say that. I'm like, well, I mean, he well, wrote lots of letters. You like there's but it's not like everything that spilled from his pen was in inspired scripture. Anyway. That's fair. So that's fair. The, the first of his letters that has been there we go. included in the Bible. <laughs> a dumb pet peeve of mine. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you ready to dive in? I'm ready to dive in. So, an early letter from Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's going on in his life at this point? What's where is where are the Thessalonians located? What was going on that spurred the letter? Yes. I want to know all the background. So what's really fun about the book of Thessalonians is we can read the book of Acts to get almost all of that information, yes, which is okay. just fun. I don't have to go digging through history or, you know, inferring between the lines. Yes. Like, oh, I can read Acts 17, the first uh, nine verses of, mm. Acts chap- of Acts chapter 17, and get a ton of what was happening on the ground. Uh, in Thessalonica or okay. Thessaloniki is probably the gr- the way the Greeks would pronounce it. Thessaloniki, but Thessaloniki. we're probably going to say Thessalonica because because that's you know because I'm American. And yeah, I, I'm used to saying <laughs> things one way, and I'm just going to keep saying it. That we way. apologize <laughs> to the rest of the world. <laughs> it's Thessaloniki, and we apologize in advance. Um, so Paul's on one of his missionary journeys, visiting town after town after town, and generally being uh, kicked out of town mm. uh, for for preaching the good news. Of Jesus, and so he's just been in Philippi. Uh, he was imprisoned in Philippi. Philippi, Philippi, uh, <laughs> in Philippi. Uh, and as he was after, but then he got thrown in jail. And then as he prayed and sung hymns in 
in the jail cell, the prison bars crumbled. Oh yes. The jailer gets converted right. uh, from on uh, he's on the verge of suicide because yep. he's failed his duty to the emperor. Paul intervenes, he's converted and he begins the church in Philippi. Yeah. And then Paul continues his journey on to Thessalonica. Mm. And so he gets to Thessalonica along with Silas and maybe Timothy, uh, not quite sure. Okay. Uh, but he's there. And he spends anywhere between two and four weeks preaching in one of the synagogues in Thessalonica. Okay. Why do? How do we know two and four weeks? Well, because in verse, um, uh, uh, in verse two, it says, "And Paul went, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days ah. he reasoned with them from the scriptures." So it depends on how you count. Right. So he, did beginning. he arrive on Friday, and then that Saturday morning he got All up. Right. Seven number one, eight days later, seven number two, and then another seven days later, seven number three? Or yeah. did he get there on a Monday and spend like four weeks there and leave right before the fourth Sabbath? We don't know. Okay, between two and four weeks. Between two and four I weeks, three actively preaching in the synagogue. Yes. And during that time, preaching in the synagogue, he was ex- opening the Bible and explaining how, what we're doing on this podcast, right. how all the Old Testament is about Jesus the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And during his tenure there, a whole bunch of Jews, a whole bunch of Greeks, and several prominent women mm. um, come to follow Jesus, which is exciting news. Yeah, that's incredible. But during that time, the Jews who are leading the synagogue there become increasingly jealous of Paul's influence and presumably of the fact that he's drawing like people away from their synagogue. So I, mm. Christine, uh, our, staff, uh, our on-staff writer, and I kind of had a conversation. It's like, how did that work? Like after Paul's preaching in the synagogue for a while, what happens next? Mm. He's preaching about Jesus the Messiah, and eventually he has a run-in with the religious establishment, and he has to like start a house church in somebody's house, or does he just take over the synagogue someday and put yeah. a different <laughs> <laughs> put a different preacher there anyway? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably the house church. Probably, probably. the house church, yeah. but I think a lot of synagogues at the time wouldn't have had like regular rabbis necessarily. Mm. Like like we have pastors like that's the lead pastor of that church they would have a lot of int- itinerant people coming in so eh, we don't okay. know but anyway during his tenure there yeah the religious establishment gets um, extremely angry with Paul for preaching that Jesus is the Messiah and the, the Acts seventeen is that they become jealous mm. and is it mainly you said the religious establishment is it mainly the the Jewish present in Thessalonica that gets upset that. He's claiming Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. So what happens, verse 5, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and Mm -hmm. attacked attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring uh, Paul and Silas out to the crowd. Right. So yeah, they were either taking shelter or meeting in Jason's house. That's right. And the Jews, specifically called out, were jealous. So the religious... And I think what's interesting here is just, I want, we should... Think about the parallels that we're already seeing between Jesus' story and Paul mm. and Silas' story here. Okay. We have Paul and Silas preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. The Jewish establishment gets jealous, just as the Jewish establishment got right. jealous of um, Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry. Yeah. And then they, the Jewish establishment in Jesus' day, went to the Roman authorities claiming that Jesus was an insurrectionist. Right. Spun up a mob. Spun up a mob yep. to crucify Jesus. Mm. And look what happens next year. Uh, when they couldn't find Paul and Silas in Jason's home, they shouted, these men have turned the world upside down and have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they're acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, 
Jesus. Mm. So they're accusing the Christians of the same, th- these early Christians of Thessalonica, of the same things right. Jesus was accused of. Yeah, we have no other king but Caesar. That's exactly yeah. right. They're, they're yes, mm. so the, the same kind of suffering that um, Jesus experienced. And Paul will say that explicitly to the Thessalonians uh, in, in his letters. Yeah. Uh, that the same uh, religious establishment that persecuted Jesus, persecuted them, and is now continuing on I in see. their absence. Once okay. Moved yep, on. That makes sense. Um, it's also just amazing how quickly something like this spins up. Isn't it? It's like a missionary comes into town and three weeks later, uh, a bunch of people are converted and the local like religious leaders are forming mobs to drive them out of town. Yeah. It's like, man, I don't think most missionary activity operates that quickly <laughs> right and there's might be an argument to be made that they spent a little more time in thessalonica uh-huh. so he says three weeks on the sabbath day in the synagogues yeah it could be that they spent a significant amount of time in jason's house before moving on as well mm. we'll learn as we get into thessalonians that the reputation of the thessalonian believers has spread throughout yeah. so thessaloniki was the capital of macedonia but all of macedonia has heard about the believers in thessalonica mm. so it's possible and it was the capital city so okay. it's like travelers would come in meet them and move on experience the experience the new community of jesus followers happening in thessalonica and take news back out so it could have been that that had happened, that they'd been there longer, mm. but he only records his interactions. Okay, in that makes sense. Um, but yes, anyway, it's true. Regardless, yeah. he doesn't spend as much time as he wants to there because right. um, briefly after that, they're immediately, they, they can't stay in the city anymore. They're driven out. They're, they're driven out and they have to, to leave secretly at night. So um, Paul and Silas go to Berea. That's right. In Athens. Yeah, they go to Berea. And what's fascinating is the religious leadership that, spun up the mob in Thessalonica, follows them to Berea, starts the same thing oh there. Paul is forced to go to Athens, but Silas stays in Berea with Timothy and continues the ministry there. Mm. And then once Paul is in Athens, he kind of recognizes that he wanted to spend so much more time with the Thessalonians. Yeah. He'd only ju- he only spent maybe only three weeks with them. Right. And he had a lot more to say to them, he has not finished teaching them. He has not finished telling them all that he wants to tell them about scripture or the way to run their church. Mm. So he feels a deep burden to go back and help them. He'll, he'll compare himself to an orphaned father or a father whose children have been forcibly separated from him. So he feels this deep, like investment in these people's lives. And he, he, like he knows his time with them was cut short and deeply wants to go back to them. Hmm. Uh, but he's f- stopped yeah. in some way. He says by Satan. Wow. Satan stops him, yeah. uh, which might actually be a reference to the religious establishment. Oh, um, wow. That's intense. Yeah. I, I don't know that. We don't know that for true. It could yeah. be a spiritual opposition, but Jesus does call the religious establishment of his day children of hell. Mm. Um we do know that when uh, Judas betrays right. Jesus and hands him over to the Roman authorities. Which looked a lot like what happened in Thessalonica. That's right. Yeah. It's Satan enters Entered into, into Judas. Right. So there does, and then we also know that the persecution of Jesus itself was inspired by Satan. Satan waited for a more opportune time. Right. Right. So like. And then, and Satan just means accuser. Accuser. You know, he's a liar. And so whenever there are lying accusations against the kingdom of God, they generally can be right. satanically driven. Right. And yeah. so 
potentially mm. it's the Jewish authorities preventing Paul from moving back there, but we that's mm. neither here nor there. But anyway, so Paul is forced to go to Athens. Yes. And he sent he sends a letter to Timothy, a letter that we don't have a record of, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. There's, there's and one of those and then Timothy go. goes to Thessalonica to check on the church they had to leave so yeah. quickly. Dear Timothy, I'm really worried about our new friends in Thessalonica. Please go check on them. Sincerely, Paul. Yes. Goes to Timothy. Timothy goes checks on the church. And then he visits Paul either in Athens or probably in Corinth because he spends like a year and a half in Corinth. Okay. And brings news of the Thessalonian church and all that's happening. Paul writes his first letter. In Timoth response to Timothy's testimony. That's right. Okay. And then he probably writes the second letter only a couple weeks later. Yeah. So it's like very fast, which is kind of fun too. Normally, like there, it oh, feels like right. there's a lot of distance between Paul's letter writing and the church. Sometimes he hadn't even met the church before. That's right. Um, yeah. But in this case, it's like Paul was there a couple weeks ago. He quickly fires off a letter to encourage them. Mm. And then he writes again a couple weeks after that. Yeah, that is fascinating. Okay, so, so so then okay, so I think I get the background. Yeah. First Thessalonians, uh, Paul has been forcibly estranged from a church, a very newborn church that he cares about in Thessalonica. He sent Timothy to get word about how it's doing. Timothy brings word back to Paul, and so Paul responds to that letter or to that to Timothy's report with a new letter, which is First Thessalonians. That's right. Okay, and what's his general message? to the Thessalonians like he's got this pastoral burden on his heart he's heard news of some sort we haven't talked about yet about how things are going and what's yeah. his sense what's he, what's he wanting to communicate what's crazy is that first Thessalonians includes Paul's longest prayer that he prays for anybody else in the entire New Testament whoa from chapter one all the way to chapter th end of chapter three for three whole chapters he just prays mm. over the Thessalonians thanking God for what God has done among them. Mm. And he just compliment after compliment after uh, just effusive fatherly praise over this young fledgling church mm. that doesn't have all the resources Paul wanted to give it, but has nevertheless stood up under intense persecution despite all that. Yeah. And so for three chapters, he just gushes over the Thessalonians. Um, in that, he also like kind of combats some of the things people had been saying about Paul and Silas. Mm. Uh, so s apparently, some people had been accusing them of being like philosopher for higher types. Like, some, it was common for you know teachers to go around making money off their teaching. So I like the way podcasters do things today. <laughs> it's like, wait, we can get paid for this. <laughs> we can get paid for this. Uh, you know, like they're going off saying pe saying things that people want to hear, yeah. charging it premium for that message and then moving on when things get difficult or when they're challenged. So apparently some people were accusing Paul and Silas of this. Of just being philosophical mercenaries. That's right. Okay. And he kind of combats a little bit of that. And then apparently Timothy also brought back a couple of questions and concerns mm. that the Thessalonians had that Paul hadn't didn't have a chance to address. Okay. So Timothy, when he comes back from his trip to check on the Thessalonians, he sees that one they have stood up to persecution and they haven't been squashed, but instead are flourishing mm -hmm. Two, that he's here. He hears some rumors that have started to spread around Thessalo Thessalonica mm -hmm. about himself and Silas and the method of their teaching. And three, he learns about some deficiencies in their understanding that he wants to speak into and teach. That's right. About. Okay. Yeah. The concern that the Thessalonians have uh, is that while Paul has been away, some of their friend, their Christian friends have died. 
under mm. this persecution. Gosh. And so they're trying to figure out, like, what does that mean? Because Paul did speak to them about a coming day of the Lord when Jesus would return. Mm. He would vindicate believers who were persecuted and would join them with himself. And so they were worried, I guess understandably so for new Christians, like that if these people died before Jesus came back, what happens to them? Right. If, if they they're not out. here when Jesus comes, yep. do, are they going to miss out? Right. And so that's the question mm. he answers to them. That's uh, a big question. Um, so yeah, he's t- talking about how to grieve well and okay. what does it mean to be a Christian who has hope uh, when we've lost those we've loved. Okay, so are we just jumping in to the beginning? Of... I think we should just jump into First Thessalonians. Okay, I'm excited. So jumping into the beginning of First Thessalonians, um, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. First, like a little fun note, mm-hmm. Paul's like normal greeting is grace to you and peace. Yeah. He begins this letter that way. He ends this letter that way. He begins his letter to Second Thessalonians that way. And he ends his letter to Second Thessalonians that way. And it's probably just good to name that like that's not a throwaway line. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a really important distinctive greeting from Paul. It would like we start the podcast like, hey everybody, glad you're here. Right. It would be weird or distinctive mm. for us to say, Grace and peace to you listeners, we're glad that you're here. Right. It would right. be distinctive yep. because we want to communicate something. Mm. And Paul's doing the same thing. Yeah. He just wants to front load and back end all of his letters with God's grace and peace that he gives to people who trust in him. Mm. And so I think grace and peace are going to be just important things to like keep in the front of our mind. Jesus has saved us when he didn't have to. He showed mm. us grace. Yeah. And he gives us peace when we are persecuted and suffering and losing those that we love. Yeah. And so he's just bracketing that throughout. I've always wondered, and I've heard a little bit about it, that grace and peace to you, like when I read that, it can just kind of uh, be like, uh, hope you're doing well. Right. But yep. it's like it, you're saying that this is more important and weighty I and think so. theologically loaded. And it's like, what does that mean for Paul or any believer, you know, to be like, hey, Seth, grace and peace to you. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like what is a what is sincerely? Yeah. What? That? Yeah. What? Yeah. It's like, hey, warm wishes, kind mm-hmm. regards. Is mm-hmm. that all it is? Or is there an impartation of something happening? Is it a prayer? Like. I've always wondered that. Mm. Otherwise, it's like, just seems like, hope you're, hope you're good. I think there's one way to see it is it's just as a, as a constant reminder of the grounding of what of 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 our faith. Mm. Like our relationship with the Lord is grounded on the grace that He's shown us and the peace that He's like and the peace that He's secured mm-hmm. through the cross. Right? Like, so it's a constant reminder of the good news of the gospel. Yeah. God has shown us grace when we did not deserve it, and he secured peace with God that we would not have otherwise had. Mm. And so it's his way of just front-loading something that he sees as incredibly important and that his readers are likely to forget. Yeah, I think that you could see it that way. It's probably also got to be some kind of a prayer or yeah. like an actual petition. Like, yeah. may grace be with you, mm-hmm. may peace be with you. Yeah, That actually has to mean something. Yeah, yeah, kind of like we, we would say, hope you're doing well. Yeah. Like you start by, hey, hey, Joe, hope yep. you're doing well. Yep. Here's my letter. Hope this email finds you well. Right, yeah. yeah. And it, it it's a, in one sense, we throw that away to be polite. Yeah. I don't think Paul is just being polite. Right. I think he's really intending, to your point, like invoke God's grace and peace towards them in right. a season where they might not experience exactly. it or feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, I know things are really rough right now. Sucks to be you. Could be one way he starts yeah, it. Yeah, right, right, right. Like, no, no, no. 
in this midst of your suffering, yeah, to you there is grace, which it might not look like it, and there is peace, even mm-hmm. when it might not seem that way. And he's calling them to a different reality, yeah, in the midst of what it seems like they're going through. So he's framing, you know, the kingdom His of letters. God, yeah, you know, in a season where it just looks like the kingdom of the world is winning. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, anyway, so, salutations. So, salutations, greetings, and then he launches into the Thessalon praying and thanking God for the Thessalonians. Mm. Um, I'm going to read a little bit from my notes over here. Um, so basically, he is just entirely overwhelmed at the good fruit the Thessalonians have like produced based on the limited time that he had with them. Mm-hmm. He like congratulates them on the faith hope and love that they have like are now well known for throughout macedonia and he spends 10 verses basically just extolling thanking god for and congratulating them on doing all that while suffering heavily so look at verse 6 and you became imitators of us and of the lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the holy spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And then Paul says their their conversion has reached his ears by the towns that he's going and visiting. He uh, say, he say, verse 9, For they themselves, the towns that we are going mm-hmm. and visiting, the other people in Macedonia, report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait from his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So he's saying, whenever we go to other towns, Thessalonians, do you want to know something? People tell us about how you turned away from idols, the idols of Thessalonica right. to serve God and are now patiently waiting in suffering mm. for the day of Jesus. That news reaches towns before we get there. Yeah, the gospel's going ahead of us because right. of your testimony. Right. What an encouraging letter to receive. Oh my gosh. Uh, if you are a Thessalonian who has three weeks of Bible school under the belt. And, right. And like, like, oh, we're reaching the nations? Uh, like, right. How is that happening? Yeah. It's fascinating too that it does, like you said when we were reading Acts, like it maps onto the story of Jesus so clearly that the news of Jesus suffering, dying, raising, turning people to him was starting to spread out all around, you know, and it was it was yeah. this, this ripple right. effect that happened. Yeah. Because Jesus persevered through suffering, like went to the cross, rose again, called disciples to himself, people were repenting, and it just started to spread out. And now, wherever the gospel goes, these new ripples start happening, you know, yeah. these new mustard seeds start sprouting, and the the plant that grows runs runs out faster than Paul can, can go. That's, it's, right. it's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, he gushes over yeah. the Thessalonians, encourages them that their faith is being well, is well known throughout Macedonia, that they're doing the right thing and to keep going. The other thing I was oh, just thinking yeah. but with, with this prayer is, and it kind of goes back to this, like, is he being sincere or platitudinous, like mm-hmm. with the uh, mm-hmm. salutation? It's like, we give thanks to God always for you. And then he just goes on, like you said, to just gush at how improbable the Thessalonian success is. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they were able to mature so quickly, despite only having three weeks of Bible school, <laughs> the reason why they were able to have, you know, um, steadfast faith through suffering, uh, the reason why their testimony is able to reach out faster and farther than Paul can even go is not because they're spectacular, right? It's because, oh, God's doing something in your midst. Like, That's right. The Holy Spirit is changing your heart 
like God is actually on the move doing something unique inside of you. Thank you, God, for yes. doing that. He, he, he finds the actual actor yes. of that. Movement. Yes, this. Yeah, you're jumping the gun here because oh. I want to talk about this in a little bit, but let's just keep going. So you, you've already mentioned it. Uh, you became an example of all believers for not only has the word Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia, but your faith in God has gone forth every, everywhere. And then um, in verse chapter two, verse 13, Paul says, and we thank, also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work mm. in you believers. Uh, for you became imitators of the churches in God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. Mm. So the idea here, to, to what your point is, right. like, so what empowered these baby Christians with three weeks of Bible school to suffer well? Yeah, It wasn't because they were just grittier Christians than the rest of the pagan world. It's that they accepted God's message as true and it transformed them from the inside. Yeah. And that was the power that gave them the ability to withstand what they were doing. They accepted the word that they taught, which was the gospel word. The Old Testament is about Jesus, the Messiah, coming to save them from their sins and vindicate them from their oppressors. Mm -hmm. Like they believe that and it transforms them simply by having accepted it. Right. Or yeah. And another way to talk about that would be that, I mean, the word is at work. We thank right. God because the word is at work in you. And it's like, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier where I'm like, man, it's weird that this, you know, uh, trigger trigger warning, yeah. that this revival broke out, right. you know, in yeah, yeah. Thessalonica. And it's like, yeah, it would be if we are assuming that people have to hear and consider and believe and slowly be transformed and have to mm -hmm. cogitate. And mm -hmm. if it was all up to, you know, human effort to understand, grasp, and integrate the word of God into their lives, then yeah, this seems like it's moving all too fast. I see what you're saying. Yes. But if the word of God and God's action is actually um, doing something, right? Mm -hmm. If it's actually effective mm -hmm. and that it actually can of its own come and change a heart and yeah. do something. It's like, oh, God has decided that these Thessalonians are his and he's going to break out yeah. in like some really powerful ways. The word is at work. And that's why Paul is busting out in praise of God, yeah. not not just in like, man, good job, guys. Wait, well done. Yes. You figured it out. It's like he knows where the actor is, the chief actor. I think I've asked this question. I don't know why I've asked this question so many times. I feel like I have this memory of being in youth group hmm. and having been asked or asking myself, well, if I suffered like these Christians, would I bear up? Sure. And always wondering and probably coming to the conclusion, no, I wouldn't. My faith is too weak, right? Like, yeah. you know, that's, that's generally the way that conversation went. Um, but what's, I think, really encouraging then about this passage, what's good news about this passage, is that Paul seems to admit that when we accept the word of God, when we accept the good news of the gospel, it does work to transform us outside of our own ability. Right. Right? Yes. And that's evidenced by the fact that the Thessalonians had only three weeks of reading the Bible with Paul. Right. And probably more. But, like you right. know, like three a, a truncated time for sure. Uh, right. A cut short time. Not experts. Mm -hmm. Not super Christians. Not right. pastors. Yep. Not Bible scholars. Not Bible scholars. Yeah. And that word alone, the word of the good news, the good word of the gospel, 
was enough to sustain the them through death. They died for this message. Yeah, right. Based on the little that they had. Right. So the encouragement is like, if we have the gospel, if we have Jesus Christ, if we have his word, we can trust that word. Yes. To give us what we need right. when it seems impossible to remain a Christian. Because it's living and active. It's living and active. Because it actually yeah. does something. That's right. It's effective. It moves. Yes. It creates. It yes. transforms. It makes us imitators. Yeah. That's a really big comfort. And yeah, I like that you rooted it in, in youth group because I think I, <laughs> I have my own trauma to work through. But, uh, but it is it is so good that we we that the, the chief means of sanctification doesn't have to just be like, oh, if only I had more time with Paul. Right. Right. If only Paul would have been able to teach me every single part of the Old Testament, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if only I would have been able to walk through um, every chapter of Grudem's systematic theology or, you know, like whatever. Right. Then I would then I would really get it. And it's like, no, the word that you've been given is at work within you and it has turned you into a force of testimony throughout Macedonia. Baby Christian. Right. Whoa. That's that's cool. That's cool. Okay. So, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Keep going. Gospel moment. Here. There's just something else there. Where it's like, and that's the gospel. Yes. Right? Grace and peace to you. Well, how? How do I get? No, I just gave you grace and peace. Mm-hmm. And the gospel comes and, well, I want to work for it. I want to figure it out. And I want to transform myself. And I want to make sure I properly integrate it. And like, sure, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. But it's God who is at work within you. Like yeah. the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. Jesus is actually the word working in you, transforming you to be an imitator of him. Like mm-hmm. that's his work to do. Right. I think we normally just like assume God's not doing anything mm-hmm. and that it's like, okay, I'm saved now. And I've got like, it's now my job to like right. yes. prove that I'm good enough for the salvation that I was given by grace. Yes. But I was like, oh man, like God's working in you, with you, Actively. on your behalf yes, to do the things that you know that you probably aren't capable of but are now capable of by his grace yep. in your life. And sometimes he does that through these external chemical reactions like suffering in your yeah. city. Yeah, And he's like, this is actually going to accelerate the work I'm doing in you by having you be persecuted in your hometown. Yeah. Oh, okay. So God's at work. God's at work in the Thessalonians. And so in chapter two, Paul kind of uh, picks up what I brought up before, that some people are accusing them of being philosophers for hire. So Mm. chapter two, um, verse one, you yourselves know, brothers uh, and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive you, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. We didn't come to you with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for for greed, God's our witness, nor do we seek glory from people, whether you from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So his point here is this. It's like we're being accused of being philosophers, presumably. Mm -hmm. We're only getting half the conversation here. But it's like, presumably, we've been uh, accused of being philosophers for hire. Yeah. Well, would philosophers for hire be imprisoned in Philippi for the preaching of the gospel right. and then come here only to be persecuted more and to continue to proclaim the gospel on right. your behalf? Yeah. Did you, yeah. If we were trying to make money off of this, we'd be preaching a different message. That's right. One that wouldn't get us thrown into prison, but we'd right. get thrown money our way. That's right. Yeah. And 
Besides that, did we ever ask you for money? Right. Did we, we are apostles. We could have thrown the apostle card out there. And be like, hey, support us. Hey, support us. We could have said, hey, we're apostles. Treat us with respect. Bring us into your home. Did we do any of these things? No, we did not act that way at all. We did not act like that. And he goes on to say this. Instead, we were like children Mm. with you. And I think the implication here is we were as innocent as children with you. So these people are accusing us of a whole bunch of things of being these mastermind right. philosophers for hire. But like, well, it's like, if you look at the generosity of say Jason, who gave up his house and yep. like invited them in, gave them a place to stay. Um, it's like, well, look, you took advantage of Jason, like, or, and like, look at, look mm-hmm. at these other, these other women of prominence in the area. They probably supported your ministry. Oh, look at that. Yeah. You guys are a bunch of greedy losers. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, we're like kids. Are my kids greedy because I give them everything that they need? Oh right, yes. N- no, are they are they are they children for hire? Like, are they after my money? No, they're just innocent kids, and I. It's my joy to support them. Yes, right. It's like he's like we came to you like kids. Yeah. We were just like being ourselves, and you guys supported us. Well, and what's interesting, he brings up this it this this uh, issue of financial support. Mm. Very next, so he's like. So he starts off says, you know, we're as innocent as children right. of our, our our accusers' claims. Mm-hmm. How what were we like instead? He says, we were like a mother to you, mm. a nursing mother to you, giving up of herself for her children. And do you know what we did? We worked night and day. We worked day jobs so that you wouldn't have to support us. Mm. We told you this when yeah. we were there. We worked hard. Verse nine. Uh, for you remember, brothers. Our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden, financial burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are our witnesses and God also and how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you mm-hmm. believers. So his first, his second point is like, we're innocent of these accusers charges. And secondly, we showed you that we were like a, a good mom, sacrificially giving up herself and working really hard both day and night to make sure you weren't put out by our presence with you. That's right. We were like single moms. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> right. That's right. And then he goes on to say, and we were also like fathers to you, mm. encouraging you, exhorting you, coaching you, developing you, making sure that you were prepared for the day that we left, which was cut short. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so just proving that we didn't we didn't come there with, with greed in our hearts or no. um, a beggar's basket in our hands. No, we were like family. Yeah, and we gave everything we could to you. That's and right. Tried not to be a burden. That's right. So, those rumors running around the mill in Thessalonica are just wrong. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, he's just rem- and he's just reminding them of like, yeah, the the affection mm. that he has for them and the affection that he's they demonstrated while they were there. Yeah. Which is how Christ treats us, day and night, toiling for us, right? Working in us, through us. It's like what he did on the cross you know what he did in his ministry was always giving of himself all day and then would you know sneak off at night to go be with his father to you know continue to not be a burden on his disciples of the world but to give 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 jesus even compares himself to like a mother hen who protects you know his people and i'm just seeing like man paul really was being like an imitator of jesus yeah uh, Maybe this will get you even deeper oh, into all that. Right. Is verse nineteen? So he's like he said like we were like fathers and mothers and children among you. like we were like mm. family together. We were our time together was cut short, but we really want to come back to you, but haven't been able to yet because what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord is coming? 
is it not you? Hmm. You are our glory and joy. We didn't want money. We wanted your hearts. Yes. And we wanted you to be like Jesus. We yeah. wanted you to grow up in the Lord. And the fact that your name, like your reputation is spread around Macedonia. This Cha-ching. is, this is, this is, this is more than we could have ever asked right. for. Yeah. You are what we wanted above right. all. Yes. Um, you're, we're, we're greedy for your joy. That's right. Yeah. And so like, and so and that, that's the same way that Jesus talks to and speaks of mm, us. Yeah. We like, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Yeah, Hebrews. What joy was that? Mm. The joy of being united with his church right. and seeing his church resurrected to live with him forever. Mm. The joy that drove Jesus to suffer at great cost to himself was the hope of crowning, of us being his crown, mm. of the, 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 the thing that makes him most happy. Yeah. The thing that he wanted most was us. Mm. And so the same thing holds true for Paul. That's beautiful. I remember when you told me that the first time that for the joy set before him was you being united with us. Yeah. And it still blows my mind every time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep going for that. Let's say for the joy set before yeah. him, he endured the cross. Look at the way that Hebrews prefaces that statement. Hmm. Uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith and perfecter can be like the completer or the developer, mm-hmm. or the one who develops it to completion of our faith. Right. So what are Paul... And Silas and Timothy to these people. Founders and... Founders and developers of these people's faith. Right. The author of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross to be our pioneer and to be our perfecter of our faith. Similarly for Paul and Silas Mm. and Timothy. Their joy, their crown is having seen faith pioneered among these people and perfected in them and declared throughout the world. Yep. It's funny too that it goes on to say that uh, through th- like through the way Christ is being formed in us, yeah. Uh, the way He perfects us, it talks about through suffering, mm-hmm. just like the Thessalonians, so that we might be formed to His image, shedding our own blood for Him. Mm. Why? Well, because God's treating us as sons. Mm-hmm. Verse seven of chapter twelve in Hebrews. Yeah. It's is fast. It's, it all maps on. I think the point right. that you're trying to make is uh, is we've kind of made several times now where. Paul's ministry looked like Jesus's ministry, and now the Thessalonians' ministry looks like Paul's ministry, which looked like Jesus's ministry. Yeah, and Jesus is replicating himself mm-hmm. and his method of ministry in the Thessalonian church by speaking truth through a living word that changes, that creates persecution and suffering, mm-hmm. and all that persecution and suffering can do is further spread the message. Yeah. Uh, and that was Jesus's method on the cross. It was Paul's method whenever he got thrown into prison or would be arrested or would mm-hmm. be driven out of town. Yep. And now the Thessalonians are syncing up with Jesus's method of ministry, which is to proclaim, suffer, and expand. Yes, and Paul goes on to say exactly that in chapter 3. Mm. So chapter 3, he describes how basically sending Timothy and the report that Timothy brings back. And to your point, in verse 3, he reminds the Thessalonians that before they left, he told them that they would suffer affliction, that they yeah. would be persecuted for their faith, that they were even destined for it. Right. Um, yeah. And, and he didn't uh, have to be like a, a future sightseer to figure that one out. It's just a promise of being a follower of Jesus. That's right. Yeah. If, or you've signed up for following Jesus, you're going to be 
That's persecuted right. and suffered. And then verse six, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. So this is that same uh, pattern that you're talking about mm. through suffering the news of their faith is expanding and spreading throughout the world and is an encouragement to Paul uh, and Silas in, in, in Timothy. And then he ends with another prayer um, that I think is goes back to something else we talked about. Hmm. Verse 3, he says this, or chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all mm. as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless and holiness before our God and father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So just notice it's like that he may establish your hearts right. blameless that word at work. And then may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. That is God's work. Right. In you. At the very beginning, Paul thanked God for their, their ho- faith, hope and love. Mm-hmm. And again, here he's saying, the faith, hope, and love that you are so easily and naturally demonstrating as a byproduct of having ingested the word of God is because God is at work in you. Yeah. And he will continue to do, do, mm. do so. Um, and which goes back to the point, it's like we don't need to be the, our role in our becoming more like Jesus, our role in being sanctified is not up to our grit first and foremost, or not up right. to our... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just our ability to white knuckle yeah. our way through temptation. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and yeah. get over it. Right. It's like yeah. we have the power of God in his word and living in us and his effort on his effort on our behalf, right. working in us to do what he's called us to do despite the suffering and persecution of my brain. Yeah. God Jesus in you wants to conquer the sin in your life in your life more than you want it. Yes, that's like, a great way to say he it. He wants to get rid of the sin in your life more than you want to. Jesus wants to form his character in you more than you want it formed. Yes. And he's more powerful than you to accomplish both of those. Yes. <laughs> and he is going to do that work. And I just I love the picture. It's the, the Thessalonians faith. It's cool too. Oh my gosh. The, Th- the Thessalonians' faith is doing what it did in Macedonia way back then, right now for me. Oh, yes. Because their story is yes. actually like encouraging me, and I'm hearing news of it, and it is encouraging me to say, David, like, yeah, you think three weeks isn't enough to form you into the kind of Christian that could persevere through suffering. And it goes back to the youth group right. question, like, I don't know, is my faith really up to snuff if I was right. going to suffer? And it's like, it's not up to you. Look <laughs> at the Thessalonians. <laughs> three weeks of Bible school and they're ready to go, (laughs) not because Paul's teaching was incredible, but because the word was at work in them. Christ was formed in them, and he was fighting and forming and and authoring and perfecting the faith that was in them. And so if Christ is in you, grace and peace to you. Yeah. Yeah. Let let me ask you like Mm. a boots on the ground question as we like just uh, wind down the section of Thessalonians. So what does that like actually look like? What does it mean for God's grace and peace to actually empower me to do those things? What does it mean for the Lord to increase and abound my love for others? How does he do that? Like, because I don't know, like, what does that feel like? You know, like, yeah. how do we know that's happening is another way to say it. Because it's like, I could, 
I think an easy thing to say is like, well, when we read our Bibles and when we rely on the Lord through prayer, he does these things, mm. right? And I think that's, but again, that centers our our asking yeah. and our neediness and our dependence on a place, which I think is good and right. We should be praying. We sure. should be reading yes. our Bibles. Right. But what is God's active role in our sanctification actually look like? Because right now it kind of seems a little mystical and magical. It's like, yeah. oh, God's working in you. It's going to happen. Don't right. worry about it. Yeah. So like, what is that? I mean, I the first thing that pops into my head is back when I was finishing up my degree in Bible um, and I had almost lost my faith in the Word of God as a reliable book. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was just doubting so many core doctrines of the Christian faith after graduating. And, um, and I started to be discipled by a local pastor and, uh, he was taking all of my concerns, uh, really seriously and was giving me the best books to read in response to not believing in, you know, things like the resurrection or hell or Satan or, uh, the word of God or whatever. And I was reading these books. I was convinced by their arguments, but I still couldn't get my my heart and head to line up and be like, you know what, I agree with the tenets of the Christian faith. You know, mm -hmm. like, and no matter how hard I tried, mm -hmm. there was still something powerful in me that hadn't broken yet that yeah. would not submit. Um, and then one day I just remember I was just, I think I was riding in a jeepney in the Philippines. My <laughs> wife and I were living in the Philippines. I was riding in a jeepney. I just started crying. Uh, because I just felt something break. I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't mm -hmm. like, I didn't like, get the perfect answer lined up. God was just yeah. speaking to me and just did some work in me. And all of a sudden, I was just like, whatever you say is true, God, I'm going to believe. Yeah. I'm just going to align with you. And he just broke something powerful in me that day. And, um, and yeah, so I just think like, and I've heard so many stories like that. So in people. a sense, it is kind of magical and it is kind yeah. of like supernatural and it, you can't explain it and there isn't a method to it. It's just like, no, this is what God does with all Christians. Totally. All I mean, times. I hear people saying that like at a moment that probably sounded a lot like when Paul started preaching in the synagogue in Thessalonica, where, you know, you hear somebody hearing the gospel for either the first time or the thousandth time. Right. Yeah. And they're just like, something just snapped for me like something just made sense something connected with me something broke in me something opened in me and i couldn't not respond mm -hmm. and it's like man for all the people in thessalonica who responded to paul's message the yeah. word was at work within them and it was doing right. something that yes we might use words like magical or supernatural but it's just like that's just god in the world that's just how mm -hmm. he works like right. he always he created the world that way it's like if you are worried that like you won't stand up under persecution. Mm. It's like you might face a moment of persecution and you're like, I don't have the resources. Knowing me right now, I don't have the resources to stand up to that. But it's in that exact moment, if you are a believer in Jesus mm -hmm. who trusts him, who loves his word, believes in the good news of Jesus, that he meets you. Yeah. And it's like, it's a gift. A gift is always a surprise. Mm -hmm. It always feels magical when you open up a gift and it's exactly what you needed or exactly what you wanted. Yeah. And there's always these gifts of God's grace and peace in these moments when you need yeah. them. I think I need to hear that on two levels. Like one is when I think about a, a friend of mine and their sanctification, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always, and I think, I don't think wrongfully so, but I'm always first and foremost impressed by them. 
And yeah. I'm always like, man, they are just making strides in their yeah. walk with Jesus. Like, that's incredible. Like, they used to get angry at these things. They used to be short-sighted here. They used to really struggle with that. And, man, they are just putting in the work. Yeah. And they are different than they were a year ago. That's incredible. Well done. And my that's that's my first impulse. Instead of, like, God, thank you for pursuing mm -hmm. them, forming them, changing them. Like you yeah. are clearly doing a work in them. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so I just needed for that to have that Pauline sight for others that he had for the mm -hmm. Thessalonians, but then also to have it for myself. Right. That I just so often am just like, God, what do I need to do? To be, I just want to be formed into your image. I want to get rid of this sin in my life. I want to move forward in my walk with you. And, um, and he's like, yeah, I mean, pray fast, read the Bible, like mm -hmm. pursue the means of grace and transformation right. available to you. Those are the places where we meet God. But um, also just pray for it too. Mm -hmm. Like God, form me into your image. Let your word be at work in me and trust that Jesus actually yeah. lives in you and is the perfecter of your faith. So I, I think I, I agree with you that there are these moments of gift, like God just gifts us what we need mm. in order to mature in our relationship with him and our relationship with others to obey his commands more faithfully to stand up to persecution. If mm -hmm. that's us, I think those are gifts of grace. And I think what I'm normally associate like sanctification or growing is like these acts of discipline of like yeah. reading my Bible faithfully, going to church on Sunday, doing certain actions. Right. Um, and I think probably like the posture, the difference between doing those things is a way to earn our maturity mm -hmm. Um, and doing those things in an, like, I don't know quite know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's like those, those things are hard to do. Yeah. Going to church every Sunday is hard to do. Right. Or reading your Bible every day is hard to do. Right. Praying frequently is difficult to do. Yeah. And it takes discipline and effort mm. to do those things. But I think that the effort in discipline isn't in the act itself, but it's in what those acts are inviting us to do which is to be dependent on god's transforming power right there i don't go to church on sunday because it's the right thing to do mm -hmm. it's because i meet the god who can answer me there that's right i don't read my bible because it's a magical book that will my feelings will go up and down every time i read it no it's like because this is where my problems meet the living god yeah uh, like yeah and so i have a dependency mm. in those those places are places of meeting places of like where I must train myself to be dependent on yeah. God rather than places that I, things checklists I must do yes. in order to feel a certain way. That's so right? good. I, yeah, that it hits on something I've been thinking about lately with prayer. Okay. Uh, Cause like when I'm falling asleep at night, like so often I'm like thinking about, okay, how, how did I walk with you today, Lord? Mm -hmm. Or like what's going on tomorrow or, and I'm, I want to align yeah. my will with God's will but the way I'm going about it is logically and I'm thinking and I'm processing and I'm planning mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, doing threat analysis and, yeah. you know, and lately, and lately God's like, you're trying to sanctify yourself or live a good life in your own strength as you sit there and think, mm -hmm. you know, he's, and God doesn't want me to not use my brain, right? but he's like, could we pray right now? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, God, help me with this? No, 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 no. Open yourself up mm -hmm. and just let me talk to you about what you're thinking about. Yeah. Depend on me instead of your own understanding. 
Yeah. Right. In all the things that you're doing, maybe acknowledge me so I can make your path straight. Does this sound like scripture, David? And yeah. it is that difference of, no, I need to pray. So that way I hit the checklist. So that way I can grow closer to God and I need to pray for X amount of time over X amount of issues. Yeah. And that will form me into God's image. Instead, it's like I go to prayer because I know he's the only one who can sanctify. He's the only one who can work. Yeah. And I need to open myself up to that so he can come in and do the work. Right. You know, so, yeah. And if it worked for the Thessalonians being killed, mm. it can work for us. Right. While we're living, working a nine to five job, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, right. it's like, it works. Uh, yeah, it works. And God will meet you mm. as you need him. I'm so good. The good news that Jesus is our, our uh, the, he is the word at work within us. Yeah. And think about this. Think about this. Mm. They had three weeks of Bible school. Right. And they didn't have a Bible. Right. They yeah, wouldn't have not had they, at best they had Old that, Testament scrolls in at, their synagogue. Yep, which they would have been kicked out of. Oh right, yeah. So maybe they, they didn't even have access to they those would scrolls. Have maybe have had Thessalonians before it was considered the word. Uh, of God. Yeah, right. So like, think about that. Yeah, the word of God that they had within three weeks of Bible school was enough to sustain them through all that. Mm-hmm. Like God's word is very, very powerful. It's very powerful. Even when we consume it in limited quantities. Yeah. Uh, so even if we can't read our Bibles every day, if we don't have access to the Bible, our relationship with God is not dependent upon how many times we read the Bible. Right. It's dependent upon our dependence upon the Word of God. Yes. Revealed in Jesus. Yeah, because it that even yes. the smallest seed of it can do all the work yeah. needed. I think the other big, like shining bit of good news that I'm I'm chewing on is the good news of Jesus's gospel strategy, like his mission strategy, of being faithful through suffering is what just spreads the message out like gangbusters, you know, because it happened when Jesus died on the cross and it, and it Mm -hmm. got Saul of all people, you know, uh, and now it happened in Thessalonica and it's getting all of Macedonia and Mm -hmm. me today. Yeah. Like that when we suffer for our faith, it doesn't mean that we are messing up, that God's ignoring us, that uh, we must be doing something wrong, that, if God really loved us, that he'd be doing something different. No, this is his core strategy for changing you and changing the world is by taking his children that he's treating like sons and daughters and as a father, shepherding them through suffering. Yeah. And like, that's actually how he's going to grow you and change you and grow the world and change the world. Uh, That's the good news of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Jesus died through suffering. He brought life to the world when he Mm -hmm. rose from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. well, that's okay. the first three chapters of Thessalonians. First three chapters. So we do have some things that we've glossed over. Yes. Because uh, he, he does keep mentioning this like, oh, the day when Jesus delivers us from the wrath that is to come. The day oh. when he raises the dead. Oh, mm-hmm. at Jesus' coming. We've kind of read those verses here mm-hmm. and there in chapters one and th- in, at the end of two. And, yeah. and then it's going to kind of come to a head at the end of this book. He's going to talk more yeah, about so that Yeah, so every day. chapter in First Thessalonians ends or talks about the day of the Lord or the coming of the Lord yeah. or the resurrection of the dead at the, at the final day. And that will all pay off in chapters four and five, well, where great. he talks about that in a lot more detail. Um, well, that'll be fun for next time. Yes. Okay. Well, next time we'll talk about the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the raising of the dead, all those good things. Thank you guys very much for joining us yes, thank at you. the beginning of first Thessalonians. We will see you next time to hopefully finish up First Thessalonians. Yes. All right. Until next time.
Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next time.